y'all doing tonight? Okay. How are y'all doing tonight? Okay, that's a little bit better. I'm going to try one more time. How are y'all doing tonight? Okay, well, we're going to have to work on that, guys. Listen, I'm so glad to get to share the word tonight. Um, it's not very often I get to do this around here because we have a fantastic teacher. We do. And I know a lot of people don't appreciate it because it's not all flamboyant and, <laughs> and excited. And, you know what I'm saying? But the teaching is strong. Amen? And he focuses on grace and righteousness. And I'm telling you, if you do not realize the grace and the righteousness of God on your life and through your life, you will, you will have a difficult time reaching your potential in God. Those are the very areas that the enemy is going to fight you and try to bring you down. Amen? Um, Y'all know, <clears throat> I am determined to learn how to transform my mind. And that's literally all I've been working on for 20-something years. And I feel like for the first time in the last couple of years, I've actually started really getting some breakthrough. And um, I'm starting to learn some things that I couldn't see before. You know how you go through levels, you know? And um, I'm excited about this message tonight. And if y'all turn over to Proverbs 23, this is the scripture I've been in now for several months because um, it's so powerful to me. Oh, sorry. Is that better? Okay. It's so powerful to me because it has been one of those scriptures. You know when you find that scripture and you, you get that revelation about it and all of a sudden you go around and tell everybody, you're going like, Jesus loves me. He so loves me. And everybody's looking at you like, mm-hmm. But they don't have the same revelation you have about it. Amen? Well, this scripture spoke to me uh, probably about a year ago, and it has revolutionized my life. It says, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat, drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. And I used to leave that second part off because I didn't understand that part. I just understood the first part of it. That as a man thinketh in his heart, that's what he is. I'm going to tell you today right now, some of you will be happy about this and some of you won't be so happy about this. But right now you are exactly what you believe you're supposed to be. And it's so scary to think that that's true because we say, oh no, well I've been dealt a bad hand. You don't understand the stuff I've gone through. You don't understand the abuse. You weren't there. You didn't see what they did. You know, we all have our story. But somebody with the same story that you have could take the hand that you've been dealt and they could be successful. So your circumstances outside of you don't get to control you. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, it says we're not wrestling flesh and blood. Amen? Amen. It's our thoughts. Our thoughts are our problem. What we believe in our heart. The second part of the scripture, when I finally understood it, it says, eat and drink, saith he to thee. But his heart is not with you. How many of you understand you can say anything, but that doesn't mean that's what you believe. Eat and drink, but his heart's not with you. You can say all kinds of things, but it not be what's in your heart. What you're manifesting right now in your life is what is in your heart. 
And that was so hard for me to figure out because I thought, no, I have self-control. I have, I have the fruit of the Spirit. I can say the right things until they manifest. And I would start on something and I would say, in the name of Jesus, this is, you know, I'm blessed. I'm whatever it is, you know. I'm healthy. I'm, I have money. You know, everything I want to say, I can say it. And I would do really good at saying it for a long period of time. But then all of a sudden, a trial would come my way. I remember being down the street one day trying to mow. And I, I was in the middle of a really big struggle trying to believe God for the finances to pay all these bills around here. And I, I was just declaring it. And I was declaring it. And I was declaring it. And I was declaring it. And I'm down there. And things are not getting paid and everything's falling apart and I don't know what I'm going to do and the lawnmower wouldn't stay running and I just kept pulling the lawnmower and I was in the heat and I was exhausted and I was getting madder and madder and madder and then all of a sudden I'm kicking the lawnmower. I'm on the side of the highway down there just throwing a fit. I'm just thankful none of y'all drove by when it was happening. I Hopefully they were all strangers that were going on a long journey and were never coming back here because I'm sure I look like a fool. I was so mad at God and what came out of my mouth that day was this is never going to work. And voila, when you squash a grape, grape juice comes out. I thought I was in faith, but my heart was saying something different. And it doesn't say in the word what you think in your mind or what you say with your mouth. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart. That's what he is. I am right now a sum total of what I believe I deserve, of what I believe God wants for me, of what I believe, you know, I've earned, or what I believe my family said my value was as a child growing up. That's what I am. And I don't like it. I mean, I'm not where I used to be. Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. I'm so thankful to God that I'm where I'm at. Way thankful to God where I'm at. But I am not where I want to be. And I've been on this journey a long time, and I'm thinking, when am I going to get there? How much longer is this going to take? Am I that messed up? I've been trying. I'm not, I ain't talking about somebody dabbling. I'm talking about somebody who's gotten up for the last 28 years every single day trying to figure out how to possess the kingdom of God. And I don't know if you've been around me much, but I give things pretty much 100% of my, my ability. I've worked hard to try to change my life, and yet here I am, far away from where I thought I would be by now. Until this scripture came alive to me, and I realized I'm going to have to change what I really believe. The very foundation core belief of who I am. I can't believe that I need God. God, I need you to do this. God, I just need you to give me this money. I'm believing you for this, God. I need this. I need that. As long as I was in need, guess what? I wasn't financially successful. Because if I was financially successful in my heart, I would not be saying I need anything. But yet, every day I was saying how much I needed. I was waiting for God to do something. And I had the revelation, well, if I just keep bothering God, like the woman did, he'll give it to me, even if he don't agree I should have it. That's what the scripture talks about. Y'all know the story I'm talking about? So I was going to weary the king. I thank you, God, for my house. I thank you, God, for my house. It's paid for. I thank about 500 times a day. 
I had 40 pictures of this place hung up all over my house. It was literally everywhere I looked all day long, and I was speaking it all day long. God, give me my house. God, I thank you for my house that you're giving me. I thank you for my house and give me. I thank you for your house you give me. I thank you for the house you give me. I thank you for the house you give me. I thank you for the house you give me. All day long. You want to worry somebody? I can. I'm, a, I'm the youngest child. I learned that skill well. I can keep on until I get my way. And finally, one day, God rebuked me. He said, don't ask me for that house again. And I'm going to be honest with you, I got a little mad at him. I pouted and stormed off. Refused to talk to him for a couple of days. How dare he? I'm acting on his word. I've been praying about this house. I was pretty upset. Don't look at me like you're all sanctified. I was, I'm being real here. I'm trying to reveal to you something that I want to help you get somewhere. I was having a problem with that conversation that me and God had that day. And I told him so. Here I am, believing your word, and I'm acting on your word. And I'm waiting for you to do something for me. And you haven't done it. And then you tell me that? What do you want me to do? And he said, the first time you asked me for that house, I gave it to you. And you have not received it. Don't wait for me to do it for you. It's already yours. I'm the holdup. I don't believe it. And when I do, it'll manifest. And it's not going to manifest any sooner than that. Because that's how it works. So I had to start saying, how can I believe? How can I change what's in my heart? How can I do that? How can I change my heart? How can I believe what you're saying in your word? Teach me. And I believe he has started showing me. Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about all the thoughts that you have look like trees. When they do the, the scans and stuff on your brain and all the things that you think, it, they look like trees. And that got her thinking about it. And so she started doing all this research about it. Your mind can change your brain. Your brain is what you truly believe. In Christian terms, my, I can change my heart. I can use my mind to change my heart. I am in control of Dolly. I can't control you. But I can control Dolly. I can capture every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. I can declare the word of God over my life. I can sow the right seeds in my heart. When something comes out of my heart or out of my mouth that I don't like, I can get that thing. God calls John the Baptist the greatest prophet that ever lived. And one of the most profound things he ever said was, Repentance is the axe laid at the root of the tree. That tree, that somehow I don't deserve it, or somehow I'm unworthy, or somehow, you know, there's some sacrifice I have to make. Some wrong thinking was sown into my life, probably when I was two years old, three years old, and a seed got sown into my life, and it's growing, and it's producing a tree. It's producing a belief system. 
And that belief system is creating where I'm living. But John said, the axe, repentance is the axe laid at the root of that tree. Y'all probably remember the first time I started getting a glimpse of that, I wrote that little book on it. Because all of a sudden I realized that everything that's coming out of my life that I don't like is not somebody else's fault. If it's their fault, then I'm a victim. And if I'm a victim, I am not in victory. I can't be both. So if something they've done to me has power over me, then God's word is not true. I'm a victim. So I had to figure out, okay, then how can I deal with this? If somebody told me, oh, Dolly, you're stupid. That's their fruit. They're miserable. They're trying to make everyone around them miserable. And that's the fruit they serve up. And I take it and eat it and believe it. The seed is in the fruit. The fruit gets sown in my heart. Now I believe I'm stupid. And now if God tells me to do something, I'm thinking, well, I'm too stupid to do that. I got to cut that thing out. I got to say, Father, I repent for receiving the seed that is telling me that I'm not enough. I repent for believing that I'm not, I'm not special or I'm not forgiven or I'm not righteous or I don't deserve it. You did it for me. I have to, I have to sow the right seeds into my life. Y'all look over to Mark 4. This is such amazing. This was probably one of the very first revelations I ever got. I used to preach it all the time because I loved it. Mark 4, I know you're familiar with it. I'm going to go quickly. But this is the parable of the sower. It says, as he began to teach by the seaside, this is Jesus, he's teaching, there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into the ship and he sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and he said unto them in his doctrine. Whose doctrine is this? Jesus' doctrine. This is his doctrine. Okay, we're not making this up. This is what he says is his doctrine. Hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and fowl of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on thorny ground. It had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up and had no depth of earth. So when the sun came up, it was scorched because it had no root, and it withered away. And some fell among thorns. The thorns grew up, choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and it did yield fruit and sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. What this is saying is there's a farmer went out, he's spreading his seed. Some of the seed landed somewhere it shouldn't have. Birds came and took it. Some of it went on rocky ground, hard ground. You have areas in your life where you're hardened. Well, the seed couldn't take a deep root. So when the heat comes, it withers and goes away. Some of it's in thorny grounds. You've got some poisonous things growing in your life that have come down from generations. The devil has worked hard on your family for generations to get horrible Toxic things being said to us. And so it gets in your life and you've got these thorny areas. And every time you hear a good word of God, it, it chokes it out. And then there's areas in your life that's good ground. 
when the, when the seed falls on good ground, you produce fruit. And he said to them, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. If you have ears to hear, and I'm telling you right now, if you want ears to hear, it's just a choice. You have to say, Lord Jesus, I want to hear what you have to say. Amen. That's how you get ears to hear. It's not harder than that. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him about this parable. When all the multitude left, there's a little group around him, and they said, Hey, Jesus, tell me about what you're talking about. Help me understand this. He said, Unto you, this is so powerful, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Y'all, this is the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parable. That seeing they'll see but not perceive. Hearing they may hear but they won't understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins would be forgiven. And he said unto them, know you not this parable, then how will you know all parables? Listen, Jesus is saying this is the mystery. And if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand any of the stories that Jesus is talking about. That is deep. Evidently, Jesus thinks that this is kind of an important topic. I mean, he's being real, and he's being real with only the close people and only the ones then that sought him for more information. He said, look, the sower sows the word. The word is the seed. God's word is a seed that's going to produce good fruit. It's going to produce healthy trees that produce love and joy and peace. And all these things will be coming out of your life. And everyone around you will be able to eat the fruit off of your life. Because you'll be a place of refreshing. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living waters. And that's what the Bible talks about. There's some talking about trees in this word. I'm telling you right now, trees is like a major subject in this Bible. The first thing God did with Adam was put him in a garden. And told him, you got all the trees and everything you're ever going to need. He said, there's one tree in there, though. The knowledge of good and evil. It'll destroy you. Trying to figure out on your own what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing is a mistake. Stick with the word. If he told you to sow this word in your life, sow this word in your life. Cut out everything of your natural senses. And just know the word of God is the seed. And the enemy's word is a seed. I was telling the kids earlier today. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. He followed her to school one day, and that was against the rules because it made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. You know, the devil was so deceitful when he wrote Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes. And we have... Generation after generation after generation spoke those lies, thinking they was cutesy, taught them to all of our children, used them as a teaching tool as they were educated. And today we're looking around wondering why Mary's little lamb can't be talked about in school. We spoke it. We sowed the seeds. We created the trees that brought us a harvest that now we don't want. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. They went to a high place where we're all called to go for refreshing. Jesus is the living water. 
But Jack fell down and broke his crown, so Jill came tumbling after. How many women won't go to church if their husband won't? We did that. We sowed this seed over and over and over and made every five-year-old say it over and over. And now we're living in that forest. Everything's a seed. The words are seeds. Kids today, instead of saying, oh, that's cool, they say, that's sick. <laughs> Jesus help us all. Do you know there was never a thing of Alzheimer's? There was never a thing of Alzheimer's until the 50s when that whole generation started just saying, I just lose my mind. There was never a thing of Alzheimer's until we created it. Did y'all hear there's a new disease now that people literally start laughing until they die? It's the craziest thing. It's some kind of mental thing that's literally happening to people. Why? Because everybody says, oh, I'm just killing me. I just laughed till I died. It was just killing me, man. And it's literally manifesting. Just watch. Give it another 10 years and you'll know three or four of your family members that are laughing until they die. Because you're, Jesus just told us that the words are the seeds. God said what he wanted, and he got what he said. And the reason it doesn't happen for us as fast as it happened for God was because we're saying so much wrong stuff all day long that if, he, if I had the same power that Jesus had, literally, if I got mad at you and said, you idiot! Do you know what would happen to the person that I said that to if I had the same power in my words that Jesus has in his? That's why I can't have that kind of power. Because he's not going to give me power to destroy everybody. If you're faithful a little, he'll make you faithful much. If you take his word and you apply this word and you try to walk in this word and you get those old trees out of you where you don't have those explosive moments on everyone you love all the time, you know what? He can increase your anointing. If you speak the word of God over your life and the things that you want to see and you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it and you keep on until it manifests, then he'll be able to trust you with even more. We have to be concerned about what we're thinking in our heart. Our pastor used to say it like this. Whatever's down in the well, it comes up in the bucket. If I have a well full of good, fresh spring water, and I drop the bucket down there and reel it in, I'm not going to get Sprite. I'm going to get water. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible says. What's in our will? We know what's in our will by what's coming up in the bucket. Right? I can't get orange juice out of a grape. And God won't allow anything like that to happen because he needs us to understand what truth is. And be able to count on this. So nothing that he tells us is changeable. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the way it's going to be.
be heavy all night. I just want us to know why we're where we're at. It's because that's what we really believe we deserve. Religion has told us that, you know, God is doing this to you. That if you ask nice and you do everything right and you don't kick the neighbor's cat and you carry that little lady's groceries, that all of a sudden you'll earn some brownie points with God and then he might let you have something. That's not doctrine. That's not scriptural. But if that's what you believe, you're going to be a long time waiting for a train won't come. Because if you believe God don't want you to have it because you're not good enough, you can pray and you can fast and you can sow a seed and you can sing and dance until the cows come home. But if you don't believe that God wants you to have it, you will not have it. I've done it a million times. I'm believing God for something. And then when it's trying to come to me, I freak out because I'm at, I'm at my my upper limit. I'm afraid to go any higher because you're taught when you're a child, well, if you had money, you're going to go straight to hell. And so all of a sudden, I'm about to get there and I hit my upper limit and I back off and do something stupid to sabotage my harvest because I'm afraid that God don't really forgive me. I'm afraid that God's grace is not really sufficient for me. I'm afraid that out there somewhere, I'm not really going to have this word protecting me and the covenant that Jesus purchased for me. I know this will work for them because they're better than me, but I still have this problem. Well, yeah, of course it'll work for her. She'll do nothing wrong. In my family, we got issues. And I might blow it. I might embarrass God. We have all kind of reasons why when the blessing's trying to come to us because we asked for it and God's trying to get it to you and all of a sudden we get scared and we're like, because the devil has lied to us. We have some trees growing in us that say you're not worthy. I'm telling you, the Bible says you're filthily and wonderfully made. It says that Jesus Christ made you worthy. The Bible tells us the truth, and we believe all these lies. The Bible tells you you're blessed, exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask or think. That you have the mind of Christ. That you're the heir of the world. That you're in Christ, seated together with him in heavenly places, ruling and reigning. You are the authority on this earth. You are God's man or woman for the hour. You're it, man, just like you are. But the only thing holding us back is we don't believe it. We got to hear this message about grace. We got to hear this message about righteousness. And we got to understand why it's so important. I don't care if I cuss you out. And kick you. The blood of Jesus is good enough to cover me from all unrighteousness. The devil knows how to play my cards. The devil knows how to drive me and push me into a corner where I explode and say something stupid. He knows the tree that he put in me when I was three years old. When I was struggling with something, people were being mean to me. I was having a horrible day and I didn't feel well. And I got on somebody's nerve. And then some loving relative turns around and says something horrible to you. And all the other adults are sitting there. 
and you receive it. And now here we are 55 years later and you're still living under that lie. I don't want to live under that lie anymore. I want the Lord to show me every lie I'm believing. I want to watch every thought that comes into my head. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because the enemy's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Oh, I know how to push her buttons. Oh, I know what she really loves more than anything else. Oh, man, if I'll just attack her child, we'll see something come out of her that the world won't like. Oh, we'll watch her stop her blessing in about five minutes. I know what I'll do. I'll just jack with her finances. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll embarrass him and shame him and make him feel like he ain't even a man. He knows how to push your buttons because he put the buttons in there. That's why he knows how to push them. The Bible says the thing that came on Job, he says the thing he feared the most came on him. Why? Because the devil put it in there. The devil knew exactly what he feared the most. And here he comes to try to mess with it. I'm telling you what, the blood of Jesus is bigger than whatever you fear. The love of God is bigger than anything you fear. The power of the Holy Ghost that's in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. The same spirit is in you. If the devil comes and attacks you and the devil comes and tries to mess with the thing that you love the most, the devil comes to come at you and try to harm you and try to drive you into a corner by threatening you. I used to just get, I would wake up in the morning and be like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to do this? Oh, they're going to all know. You're going to be embarrassed. Oh, you should be ashamed. You don't do this right. You don't do this. And the whole time he's the one messing my stuff up. He's got me looking in the natural realm, trying to think, well, if all this stuff has to get straight. No, it don't. Listen, I ain't wrestling with flesh and blood, man. Amen. My battle ain't in the natural. My battle ain't in the natural. If you can see it, smell it, feel it, taste it, hear it, it is not your problem. There's a devil behind that person. There's a devil behind that bill. There's a devil behind that situation. And I'm telling you right now, every time you find yourself in that situation, you better start talking. Devil, I bind you right now in the name of Jesus. And I cast you into outer darkness because uh, whether you understand this or not, you're supposed to judge the angels. And you come and mess with me, you come and mess with my church, you come and mess with my children, you come and mess with my finances, you come and mess with my physical body, my family's physical body, you come and mess with my peace, and somebody is about to have some serious issues. And it ain't people. Jesus up there on the cross, we're sitting there crucifying him. Ripped him apart so bad, the Bible said all of his bones were exposed. He went through some very gross stuff that ain't even appropriate to talk about. They did horrid things to him that we never mention. And he's up there and he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. You got to forgive people. 
They are not your problem. Your problem is the fear that's in you. And if you didn't have that fear, he couldn't even mess with you. You wouldn't even know he was in the room. When you get delivered from something, it never bothers you anymore. He can come back with it the next time, like he used to do us above flat tires. Now he gives us a flat tire and we're like, oh, thank you for our new car, God. Amen. We're not moved by that anymore. But buy a $35 tire was devastating to us for years. And it seemed like every time we were about to get just $5 extra, our tire would go flat. Whatever you're dealing with, it's a spiritual problem. And he's got a hold on you, man. He's got a hook in you. And he's yanking you. He's trying to control you. And the way you get rid of that tree. There's three places in the Bible that tells you how to get rid of the trees. John the Baptist said, Father, I repent for receiving the lies that were spoken over me as a child. Father, I repent for being offended by what my family said. Father, I repent for having my feelings hurt by what Sister Sandpaper did to me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for feeling like my husband doesn't love me. Take responsibility for whatever is going on in your life and repent over it. The Bible says that is an axe laid at the root of the tree, man. It'll cut it out. And two other places. One time Jesus was walking with his disciples and he's coming up and he's thinking he's going to get something to eat. And the Bible says that Jesus answered the tree. That's what the Bible says. He answered the tree. That means the tree was talking to Jesus. Your trees will talk to you. The tree was talking to Jesus and Jesus answered it and said, No one's going to eat fruit from you again. You're cursed. And the next day, the disciples are all in dismay. Ah, the tree you cursed. It's withered away. Curse those trees. Curse it. Don't eat fruit from it anymore. And don't let your family eat fruit from it anymore. Get rid of the tree because we eat the fruit and then we produce fruit and then we give it to our family, the people we love more than anybody else in the world. We do more damage to our family than ever before because we're damaged because there's a tree growing in us and we're not even paying attention to it. And then the third way is Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you'd say to that tree, I pluck you up and you be cast into the sea. If you have a tree in your life and you recognize it, I got faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed and I speak to that tree and I command you to be plucked up out of my life and you be cast into the sea. Don't you ever come around here no more. Jesus delivered me from that. Y'all, this is a process. Right now at your point in life, 
You're a forest. When Caroline Leaf was talking about all this neuroplasticity, all these brain things that they know now, they know that you can change. They used to say you couldn't change, but now they actually can prove that you can change what you believe. They can prove it now. They have all the tests to prove that you no longer are functioning the same way you used to function. They have proof, scientific proof. The scientists are figuring it out. The scientists are utilizing this. The scientists are holding $10,000 a week conferences to change people's lives. They're doing it all over the world. And the church is sitting somewhere and we don't even know that this is the problem. And none of us are exempt. Let me tell you something. The devil is an equal opportunity oppressor. He would like to kill you. He has no other need for you. He can't do it because you got the blood of Jesus applied to your life and the death angel has to pass over. But that's what he wants to do. And so he's going to have to get you to decide you want to die. So he puts a tree in you. And he'll even smooth it in there on a real sweet note. He used to tell me, well, if you'll be sick... You won't have to go to school. Yeah. I don't feel good. If you'll be broke, someone will feel sorry for you and pay your way. I just don't have any money. He'll smooth it in on you and make you think that it's a good idea. I don't need nothing. I don't need a break. I don't need a day off. I don't need no money. I don't need nothing. I have all things and I abound unto every good work. My mortality has put on immortality. My corruptible has put on incorruptible. Death is swallowed up in life. My youth is renewed like the eagles. My eyes do not wax dim. Neither is my natural strength abated. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, I'm blessed above all people. I'm seated in Christ Jesus and I'm in charge here. Twice in the Bible he tells you you're God. No, I'm God over Trinity, devil. And I'm going to give you about five minutes to leave. Or you're going to be really hoping for eternity you would have listened to me. You take your hands off my family. We walk in love and unity. We have peace in our house. Peace that passes all understanding, guarding our hearts and our minds. Everything we put our hand to prospers. I'm telling you, you're going to have to figure out what is it you want to see changed in your life. And you're going to have to get you some scriptures. And you're going to have to learn them. And you're going to have to put them in yourself. And put them in. One of the things I learned early on was somebody said, every time you know they sowed the seeds or every time they were in the wayside, the enemy comes immediately to steal the seed that was sown. And then I read the, the, over there in Galatians in the fruit of the Spirit. I have a fruit called long-suffering and patience. Okay, devil don't got these things. If I keep putting it in, he can't take it faster than I can put it in. I can outlast him. That's right. I can win that battle. I'm going to sow the right things. What do I want to see different? My 
children excel among their peers. I tell you what, I started saying that. My kids were just normal, little old average kids. And I saw that scripture one day. And every time they got out of my car for school, I'd, I'd say, in the name of Jesus, my seed excels among their peers. My children all graduated valedictorian. All of them got scholarships academically to college. Because I declared it. My daughter died. Samantha was dead. And I said, oh, no, you don't in the name of Jesus. With a long life, God will satisfy us. Amen? And you gotta, you got to know what to do. you got to get the word in you when you don't need it. So it will be there when you do. and richer by the day. I accumulate wealth and I'm envied. That's in the Bible. My wealth is a strong city. I tell you what, everybody's eating in Trinity now. For a long time, I, you bless our bread and water. I thank you, Lord God, that nobody in this town lacks for provision. In the name of Jesus. Everybody's eating now. So now I want a hospital. Amen. I declare all the time, in the name of Jesus, you bless my water, God. And we got a new water system down there. Now they're putting in more new pipes. They're just working on it constantly. You just watch. You watch. I'm telling you, I'm in faith over it. I'm declaring that our water is blessed. It will not be very much longer. And we will get some kind of notification that we got the best drinking water in the state of Texas. Because I can make it happen because I'm created in the image of God. And what I say comes to pass. And what you're saying is coming to pass. You just got to figure out where do you want to end up. If you're not where you want to be, then change what you're saying. Y'all, this is Jesus' doctrine. And the thing about it is, it works whether you think it does or not. It works whether you believe me or not. So I don't care. I don't have to convince anybody. We can go around the mountain another time, and then we can go around the mountain another time. But one of these days, you're going to look over me and go, God, Dolly, how did you become a lender to nations? How did you do that, Dolly? How did you wax mighty in the earth? How did you become a blessing to all the nations of the earth? How did you, in how did you inherit all the heathen? God, how, how did that happen, Dolly? And you've been around the mountain ten times. And I'm going to say, hey. So in the Bible it says in Mark. Because this is the way we do it. By what we're saying. And what we're believing about what we're saying. And it is this way. And I've seen so many things work. And I've seen a lot of things not work. And I take responsibility for those things. I've said a lot of dumb things. I believed all the lies. Well, when you hit 50, you're going to gain weight. I remember having my talk down. I meet all these little mamas, and they got these babies, and then they're all acting like they're still fit. I had a baby, and I still weigh 100 pounds. I'm like, yeah, I did too until my son turned 12. When your oldest kid turns 12, you'll see a little something-something. I believed that and I said it. Right. And I wish I hadn't. 
Because now I'm speaking some other things. Amen? Amen. I'm fit. I'm firm. I'm fabulous. Amen? Yes. I'm in the best shape of my life. And that's what I'm saying now. And it will happen. Amen? Y'all, because this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. And this is going to work. You know, the thing about it was, the children in the, the Tower of Babel, they were doing something that went against God. It was against God. But they said in their hearts, hey, let's go build this tower and let's go see God. And God says, they would have done it. So in his grace and mercy, he stopped them. But it's going to work for you whether or not you believe in Jesus or not. You can look at somebody that's not even saved. They're prophesying their life. Where are they going to end up? Watch and see. When you look at the next person that you see that's broke, listen to what they say. Just hang around them a couple of days and listen to what they're saying. I read this thing of this guy. He said, if I spend 24 hours with you, I can tell you exactly where you'll be 10 years from now. And at that time, I thought, go ahead. But he could. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Because God's going to help us. Our, our future's looking good, guys. Amen? It is. And God can do a quick work, too. Don't think. You don't think just because it's been a long time. Listen, he tells us in Jeremiah 1.10. This will be my last scripture. I know I'm going long. It's okay, though, because we're getting somewhere. Amen? <clears throat> he says, let me see if I can find it. See, I have set you this day. Now, this is God talking to us, his children. Jeremiah 1.10. See, I have set thee this day over nations and over kingdoms. You have been set over nations and over kingdoms. Here's, here's what you're supposed to do. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. There's four things there that we can do to wreck the hell that's growing in our lives. Four things we can do. We can root it out. We can pull it down. We can destroy it. And we can throw it down. And two things he says, now build and plant. Build and plant. Arrest those wrong thoughts like a criminal. A serious destroyer of your family and of your future and of your wealth and of your health. Attack those wrong thoughts with vengeance and then plant and build and plant and build get your scriptures and plant and build and when you have a wrong thought in the name of Jesus I rebuke you devil you ain't talking to me you ain't talking to nobody else and ain't a seed coming out of my mouth you ain't gonna destroy anybody else's life I curse you at the root right now in Jesus name you shut your lying mouth my life is good like Nacho says amen my life is good. Amen? Amen? We're on a mission from God. And we literally are unstoppable. 
you can literally accomplish what you believe. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit, for resting on us. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you for your doctrine, Jesus. Thank you for turning the light on. Thank you for exposing the lies. Thank you that the cockroaches are running right now because we're seeing clearly right now what's going on. Father, I ask you to continue to keep us enlightened, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you that we will be quick to catch every lie that comes out of our mouth. We will be quick to destroy the works of the enemy and the things that he put in us generations ago, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, we're going to sow and we're going to build and we're going to plant the right seeds. Not only in our life, but in the lives around us. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for grace. Grace, grace, grace in Jesus' name. To be able to tear down, pull down, throw down, destroy all the trees that are in our life that the enemy has deceived us and slid in here on us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I speak to every one of those trees right now and I command you to be cursed at the root. You wither and die in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off God's children. Jesus Christ purchased them with his blood and his body on that cross. And you are trespassing. You release us. I thank you, Father God, for good ground. I ask you to break up the hard places in our life. I thank you, Lord God, that you destroy the thorny places in our life, Lord God. That the word of God falls on good ground. That you water our seed in our season, Lord. In the name of Jesus, that we produce, we're like trees planted by the rivers of water who brings forth fruit in his season, Lord God. That we are flourishing, Lord God, at every age. Your word says we flourish at every age. I thank you, God. I praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen.